0: There's joy in every journey.
2: The window is open for teams to slap a franchise tag on a player. Plus, the Ravens uh, are figuring out what's going on with their wide receiver charges. Uh, the, the case has been closed, but it's suspended based on new information. Perfect time to head up to the WGK Law Guest Hotline. Talk to our friend Jonas Schaefer. Who covers the Ravens for the Baltimore Banner. And Jonas... Good afternoon. Thanks, as always, for joining us. We have a poll up right now. It's got 526 votes, and it's 50-50 at the moment. So, Baltimore County Police announced they're not charging Zay Flowers regarding domestic allegations while well, the NFL is still investigating can impose discipline via the personal conduct policy without charges given. Given that, should the Ravens alter their preparations at wide receiver this offseason because a possible suspension could be coming? If you were the Ravens, would you be altering your preparations?
1: And uh, based on like what I've heard just from the NFL, from the Ravens, from some people who know stuff, I would operate under the assumption that all would be good with Zay, you know, as, as I don't, I don't want to say disappointing, but as incongruous as, as that seems with what the NFL has you know, said they're trying to do to step up their enforcement of alleged domestic violence crimes and with the Ravens own zero tolerance policy. You know they've they've been willing to to bend that, you know that that, that concept that mm-hmm. that policy whatever you want to call it to, you know have certain players play on. Uh, that's just, you know I don't know how else to phrase it. It's not ironclad. They've they've shown that they're, <laughs> they're flexible with it. So even though you know the NFL, you know, as Jason has said and as you guys have said, that there is that ability to punish players who might escape the long arm of law enforcement um it just seems like right now all the winds are blowing in such a way that the ravens (laughs) don't really have to worry all that much about what you know zay's week one future is much less his you know contractual future in baltimore is
2: well, Jonas, uh, let's get to your piece on Rashad Bateman. And there are always each week analytics showing how open Rashad Bateman gets every single week. You went back and looked at every single route that he ran. Why did that separation not equal production?
1: It's it's a multifaceted situation. You know, uh, I think the biggest thing, one of the takeaways that I highlighted was just. You know, Fantasy Pros uh, does a good job of kind of breaking down how often our guys being looked at. And when Rashad Bateman was out there, you know, he played every game uh, with with Lamar, uh, I think except maybe one. Um, And, you know, his first read share, which basically shows how much of a focus he is for Lamar, for Todd Munkin, for that offense, suggested that he was, you know, wide receiver three or target four. He just was not a focus of that offense. You know, a lot of times he's – that X receiver and, you know, Lamar is reading the uh, the strong side, the play side formation, uh, you know, the play side of that formation, which means he's not often getting to that second or third read all the way across the other side of the field, um, which is disappointing because Rashad <laughs> Bateman was open a whole heck of a lot, you know, running good routes. Um, and, and, you know, the times when, when he was getting open, he just was not getting dealt accurate balls, you know. Him and Odell Beckham Jr. surprisingly had like two of the worst you know, on-target rates when being targeted of any quarterback, or excuse me, of any wide receiver in the league on deep shots, which you know kind of makes sense when you look at just how rarely uh, you know Rashad Bateman got a catchable ball uh, on on those downfield shots that, that he was running. So, I'm hopeful that you know, with another year, with a, hopefully a healthy offseason for Lamar and Rashad, those guys can get on the same page because I do think they have electric potential. Just never really seemed to got, seemed to come together in 2023. 20,
3: uh, is there any part of you that wonders three years into this? And I know that they've missed time, especially in the offseason, right? Because COVID and injuries and them not seemingly not being both fully able to practice um, at the same time as much as you would like. But is there any part of you that does wonder um, – you know, we're three years in. He's got a quarterback rating of 69 thrown to this guy and twice as many interceptions as touchdowns. Like if maybe it's just not going to happen. You know what I mean? Like the trust factor or whatever. Like they're, they're just kind of two ships passing in the night.
1: Yeah, I mean, you, you do wonder. And, you know, out of, out of kind of morbid curiosity, uh, after I did all the research, Jason, I, you know, I kind of went and looked at just, you know, kind of a U2 cut up of, of Justin Jefferson, uh, you know, <laughs> Like how open does someone like Justin Jefferson get? What does that openness look like? And it didn't look didn't look too differently from from what Rashad's doing, Frankly, wow. I mean, obviously they're kind of different running styles, different different route running styles. Uh, Justin Jefferson's more in the flop than, than Rashad, which you know obviously has been a, a nice feature of that Vikings offense. But uh, they're built the same. You know, Rashad is six foot, has a, a nice mm-hmm. wingspan. I think he's got a more wingspan than than Jamar Chase, and those guys are. You know, have have similar height, so I can see why, you know, you know, if if you are a, a holder of fantasy of a Rashad Bateman fantasy football stock, you might want to see him end up somewhere else. But I just think that you know, if he does end up with with someone new, um, sure that there is that clean slate. But you're also talking about dropping him in to an offense where he's, you know, going to have to learn the playbook, going to have to develop new chemistry with an entirely new quarterback, entirely new. You know, wide receiver room. So I think just all things considered, it's probably best that he sticks it out in Baltimore. And even though we, I imagine he won't get that fifth year option picked up, Mm-mm. hopefully he can have a, a nice, you know, fourth year in Baltimore and either earn himself a nice contract with the Ravens or someone else. Because I do think he has, you know, really high potential in the NFL.
2: We're talking to Jonas Shaferton inside access here on the Fan Jonas. The window has opened for teams to put a franchise tag on a player and the Ravens never rush into putting a franchise tag on anyone. They didn't last year with uh, Lamar Jackson, but can you see any scenario where that they they don't at the very least tag Justin Matabike?
1: It's really hard to imagine just, you know, I think what's interesting about where the Ravens roster is headed in general and this this might be something that is prohibitive in a way. Is that like we're kind of headed toward a stars and scrubs type approach to this roster? You know, like Lamar got the big deal, Roquan got the big deal, uh, Marlon Humphrey and Ronnie are on big deals uh, for the time being. Yeah. Uh, you know, next year it could be Tyler Linderbaum and Kyle Hamilton who get top of the market for their position deals, and that puts you into a, a bit of a situation like what we saw with the with the Rams, and obviously they were. Uh, they were acquiring established players as opposed to developing them with their FM picks philosophy. But, you know, you do wonder is this a direction that Eric Costa is, is comfortable in where you, you don't have the kind of money to give, you know, five, $6 million a year to a Patrick McCari or uh, you know, a, a Chuck Clark like back in the day. So I still think you can't afford to lose someone who is just entering his athletic prime, like just Matabike and coming off, just a historic season in terms of where he stacks up among Raven defensive linemen uh, in general, but that, that is something to consider, you know, where does this, where would a deal, even if it's just a one-year deal for Justin Metabike, fit in the wider roster approach of this front office.
2: Well, Jonas, Eric DaCosta has got to make a decision come May on the fifth year option, going back to Rashad Bateman, but also Adafe Owe. Do you see him picking up either of those options?
1: I just think that, you know, in line with the other guys they're going to have to pay and are paying right now, it's a little bit tough to, to see. I think, you know, if this were a situation where the the sack numbers for Adape lined up more closely with that pressure rate and that win rate, then I would probably be leaning toward yes. But just with, with the injury history that he has, um, you know, with, with, the, with the overall lack of production, I mean, I, I don't know if any pass rusher has ever been you know, had that fifth-year option exercise with as few sacks over the first three seasons as Daffe has. And, you know, I, I think he could be a guy who could be an 8-10 to 10 sack a year type dude, but it just hasn't happened yet. I, I really like the strides that he made under Chuck Smith, but considering what else is out there and considering, you know, maybe some of the guys, they might look to draft in this first or second round coming up in a, in a couple of months' time, it to me is not looking likely like a will exercise, a fifth-year option for for Idafe.
3: We're going to talk about this a little more at length on tomorrow's show, Jonas, but wanted to get your take on it. Um, We just sort of – I've identified the ongoing – some of the wide receiver issues here and just not really getting the most out of guys for whatever reason. Is there any part of you that thinks, okay, well, maybe they do lean into more 12 and 13 next year and the fullback's probably not going anywhere? And would it make sense to add a legitimate, proven, every-down running back – especially with Keaton Mitchell's future and so much sort of doubt as to when he could come back fully from that injury, whether it's a Josh Jacobs or a Saquon Barkley or a Chubb, if he's a cap casualty, or a Derrick Henry, any of that wet your whistle?
1: Not really. I yeah. mean, I I I always, when I think of how Eric Acosta likes to approach the running back position, he calls, he, he lumps running backs in with, with this greyhound type of you know, position where you just tip the, the, the wear and tear and the burn rate on these guys is so high. And, you know, yes, it, it's very cool to to fantasize about what Derrick Henry would look like next to Lamar Jackson, but to pay him $10 million a year when you have so many other needs and, you know, Lamar is the ultimate PED for, for running back. Yeah. It just, it, it's really tough to imagine. And, you know, it, it's funny that you guys bring that up because, we we brought up or I brought up uh, yesterday with with Matt Miller on uh, on the uh, ESPN teleconference for, for the draft, like whether he sees value in the Ravens with them, you know, kind of revamping their running back room, investing more capital in the free agency class or in the draft class. And he basically said, why not both? You know, why, why not take a, a gamble on a guy who's a free agent while also looking for you know a Braylon Allen or a, you know, you know, whoever it is in the third or fourth round that you can get and maybe have them be a a day one, you know, RB one or RB two. But I'm just inclined because of the success we've seen from the Gus Edwards of the world, the Pete Mitchell's of the world to just spend as little as you can (laughs) at that running back Mm -hmm. position, invest in in those, in those rookie contracts and and hope it pays off. Jonas
2: Schaefer covers the Ravens for the Baltimore banner. Always great, Jonas. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Appreciate it guys. Thank you.
0: This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance.